podcast is brought to you by Wildflower Zen Sangha. Guys, feel good after so many months not being able to sit together in the same room. Share the sitting, share the eating, sharing our communal spaces. Serving each other, functioning together. silence together. And we all came from sometimes so far away and it required a lot of energy, time and financial resources. Like what Juan said about Portuguese in this heroic trip, and Miguel sleeping, trying to sleep on the beach and in Biarritz to make it here. It reminded me today that when I was in early twenties, early two thousand in Vimoutier, and I was driving my small motorcycle, hundred twenty-five cc from Paris. To Normandy, it was like <laughs> with my big, big backpack to sit. And over this week, I was going back to. What's the drive? Where did I? Where did it start? Um, couldn't tell you how it, it started for me, but there were conditions that were favorable. Meetings. Stefan brought me to a zendo when I was, I don't know when, 12, 13, 14, I don't know. Eight. 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 <laughs> <laughs> we received in our home Lama Suryadas, a young, then young, American Tibetan American teacher trained the Tibetan tradition. There was something in there that I loved. The simplicity 
heart. Um, I was a teenager and I was hanging out with Surya Das, Lama Surya Das, he was in a place and it was very casual. There was no formalities. And there was this warmth. Then I met Genaroshi and I was saying to her earlier today that I don't really remember what she said during Dharma talks. But what I do remember is that, and what I experienced again when she talked the other day, the, the, the quality of the presence, the desire to share the heart. So there was this, there's this seed um, which was present and and it wasn't even clear what the seed was, what kind of seed it was, but something that spoke to me. And it spoke to me through people, not through books. I love books. I love ideas. <laughs> I love concepts. I love understanding. I love the history of Buddhism. I love trying to make the whole thing coherent. I love the suttas. I love discussions about the suttas. But that is totally meaningless to me if it's not at the service of being a better person, expanding, connecting, I did a lot of bowing, as you know, in the transmission room, um, reciting the names of the patriarchs. But then I think on the suggestion of, I don't know if I think it's you, 
Michel said, you know, you don't have to sing all the time, and you can expend it. And I started bowing not only to the patriarchs, but then I was just, I felt I needed to acknowledge or express, show my gratitude um, to some people. So it started with my inner circle, my families, and then my teachers, my, just, it went so, all the people that I met on my path, that touched me, that changed the course of who I am. And the more I was doing that, the more I was like, on and on and on and on, people. Even the people that, with whom I had a difficult time. And I realized that That was also part of it. That was also part of the path, part of the things that helped me clarify. Um, and yesterday we had the first ceremony, so where I received the precepts or makes me a preceptor, someone can give the precepts. And so, I was reminded again how that practice, this, what we do, is a it's a relational path. It's about how we connect. Many, if you look at all the precepts, I mean, many of the precepts, they're really about how we interact with each other, how we speak with each other, not just how we treat ourselves, but how we treat each other, how we serve each other, how we interact. And this is a part that I have to say was not clear for me for a long time. I was coming to retreats, I was doing my thing, trying to avoid the sun as much as possible, or doing the, doing the task that I that are less annoying to me. <laughs> you know that one? <laughs> <laughs> and
And I was annoyed even, I said that many times, I was annoyed when we had council circles at the end, you know, people expressing gratitude, and I felt, (laughs) 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 you know. And yet, very often, that happens so many times, at the very last moment, something shifted. Something touched me. So, what is it that you are striving for? What what is it that makes you come? So grateful to share that practice with you, that sitting, that interacting, that bonding. I I can't see anything that is more important and to train to be fully human. Not being caught in trying to be less caught up by our own stories. And for me, the, the, the so many elements of this Zen tradition and the Buddhist tradition are inspirational for me, speaks to me. The precepts are excellent, an excellent framework that really can be really helpful at times as a reminder. I feel we live in a 
an extremely diffi difficult time. We're not in northern India anymore. 2,500 years ago. So, how do these teachings, are they relevant right now? And it's really obviously, <laughs> we all know that, and I know we all struggle with that. How do we? bring the qualities we, we try to cultivate here, how do we bring that outside? That was the question, Ulrika, and just that's, that also has been my questions for years. And I'm, I am so grateful of, of this lay tradition that we have, that we all work, we all do things, and, and I, Michel Titon last month was telling the story about how he was a, he had some kind of very important business position, and, and how and he had to develop really qualities of, or qualities, I don't know, the quality of his characteristics of being tough, you know, to survive in the business world. And it seems that sometimes it's very difficult to make it coincide with what we're trying to cultivate. Yeah. Contradictions. And I, I keep thinking of how Shakyamuni must have dealt also himself with so many problems. I mean, he was a religious minority. He was in a country, in, a, in an area in India where there were a lot of problems between warlords and all that. And he had to navigate. So we have to navigate. There's no other way around. And, uh, I personally feel I can really dig into this tradition in, in, in our practices to try my best <coughs> to respond appropriately to the situation. There's no right or wrong answer. And certainly the 
anything that you might find in the sutras that is just situational. It all depends on the situation. This is why in the koans, for the same question, we have so many answers. That all depends on the situation. And I also experience that as we grow bigger and we learn to be less reactive and we learn to we train ourselves to be more open, less caught up with our stories, we are also more skillful to respond appropriately. It's a never-ending never task. I've known some of you for so long. My sister is there. Again, I wrote she was saying just to me how it would have been. It would be impossible for her brother to be in the same room with her doing that. I'm glad that you made it. As I just look at you, I just like. Have flashes of the, the the things that we we shared. I'm glad Sophie also made it, and she was uh, so essential when we started. Did so much. One way to never have that struggle about what do we do once you leave this place is not to never leave this place, this physical place, but to make your life a zendo, to make your life 
whatever you do, just a place of practice. And I know for myself that that can help also to invent practices that help me to remind me this uh, desire to awaken or to do things fully. Remember hearing Bernie Glassman, you know, setting his alarm at twelve to just and stop whatever he was doing at midday for a second. Stop. Um, sometimes when I start working, I light up an incense, and so that work becomes part of my practice. And I have a job that. Is okay. It's not my passion, but it's okay. But I know I do that in order to be able to do this. So it becomes clear, and I struggle less with not wanting to do it <laughs> because then it reminds me, yeah, this is why I'm doing it. When I dwell into all kinds of useless activities. I try to remember just before I start or in the middle, whenever, you know, what do I want? Do, do I want to spend my time doing this, really? Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. <laughs> I think we all have that. Time swiftly passes by. But it may not be a problem if we don't really know what we want. But if we ask ourselves, what is it? What is it that I want truly? Truly. And also, this um, so that goes back what was mentioned earlier on. The sentence that we have in Zen: great doubt, good small doubt, small awakening; great doubt, great awakening. The question, right? Open up to the question. Open up to 
whatever comes up. And obviously this is what we did this whole week, hopefully. Um, but how do we maintain that spirit? How do we bring that alive face in the face of the alive situation? Definitely not sure what's going on in the transmission room. But this whole week has been went quite fast actually, it felt went quite fast. Very busy. marks uh, a new step in my relationship with Roshi. I'm aware of that. An important step. Um, you said what? 27? We've known each other for 27 years? Yeah. Something like that, 27 years. As companions. As companions on this path, as, as my teacher. A long time. The rubbing. This is what we all do here, outside, with people who don't practice. How does that transform us 
how does that transform then? <clears throat> That's another thing that I feel we don't really know how we are impacting others and how others are impacting us. How does that work? Um, we were mentioning the other day things we heard from teachers and or from people that kind of stuck in our mind. But I, I feel this is only the, the tiny part of it when we think of people. It's not exactly just, uh, yeah, we may remember a few quotes from them, but just the, maybe the experience that we shared walking in silence or sharing a meal or just an adventure or just the way they are, just like this, and how that impacted us. I just have the, 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 the something comes up, the, on, on the street where we live, there's a restaurant, and the owner of this restaurant is, is this guy about my age, very sweet. He comes, he did finance before in Hong Kong. And he's, <laughs> it's supposed to be a restaurant, but it turns out at the end of the day, uh, at, the, at the late in the evening, it becomes a bar with all the people from the neighborhood. There's no bar really, but just like people from the neighborhood arrives and chat and all that. And one day I was with him and we were chatting outside and there was a very angry man that came. He was walking on the street and he stopped and he started kind of yelling, not really at us, but just yelling in general. <coughs> and this guy, my friend from the restaurant, he took him in his arm. And the guy melted. I was astounded. Big heart, big arms. The anger collapse. Wow, I had a huge teaching that night. I think this whole week is about 
celebrating the bonding. Not just Roshi and I, but this whole lineage, Geno Roshi, the people before, the people around. I said to everyone, Sensei, I was just so glad that I spent the year with him. Just working on my kesa, he helped me and did so many things and we just bonded. When we started the center, when was that? 2016. 2016. So the practice we had before was at my place and then definitely our place and then somewhere else, but that really implied very little infrastructure or anything. And when we had the center, that allowed us to work together, to, to do something together and to embody also what we did. And I remember one day we had to do a General Assembly, and we're doing the General Assembly as like before that, it was like, yeah, right, we have to do the General Assembly, that's kind of annoying. And then we thought, yeah, that's part of the practice too. How do we interact with each other when we're talking and when we disagree and when we exchange ideas and or disagree or when we exchange different views, let's say. <laughs> That was another important moment, bringing these qualities that we're trying to cultivate in whatever we're doing, even the things that seem very unimportant, administrative, <laughs> non-relevant to the awakening. You know? Well, that's the awakening. And after these great, I was thought today about this great title from after the ex, uh, Jack Confield, after the ecstasy, the laundry. You know, we have these <laughs> great experiences, and and then we have to go back to the normal life, but. Until we realize that, you know, this is, that's part of it. And I'm, you know, couldn't be more glad to have Delphine in my life that brings me back to <laughs> the laundry. <laughs> I still, you know, leave my socks on the floor and I try to convince her that I do it mindfully. <laughs> Doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> relationships are that's a wonderful place to practice 
It's a challenging place. And it's, um, and I love it. <laughs> A relational path, Just a bonding path. Another way for love. Another way to express it. Um, I'm just thinking of the I read one story a month ago. Um, they have mentioned that already, but that really struck me. Um, yeah, we live in a very polarized society, environment. In the US, it's very strong. It's growing in France, too. And in the US, it was around Trump. Now it started with the vaccine and all that. And, um, and sometimes it feels, how do we speak with each other? And I read that story about a woman, it was around abortion. So a very polarized issue in the US. And people are really violent about it. So that woman was, this writer was, I think it was a Buddhist writer, was thinking, was saying, you know, how do we, how do I communicate with someone who is against abortion when it's so polarized? And there was this, that woman extremely violent against abortion. Against it? Abortion. 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 And instead of going into an argument, she said, what's your story? And the story that this, this writer was telling was that this woman, I think, had a miscarriage and couldn't have children anymore. And she couldn't accept the fact that some people could have, some women could have children and would take the decision to have an abortion. And she was saying, at that point, we met. <coughs> How do we meet? That's the... We're saying, Frank, the intersection. How do we meet? What's the skillful mean for us to meet? And that's the question I have over and over again. Uh, Delphine is a great, <laughs> reminds me very often of that, you know. 
if I arrive with in a situation and I start to explain things in a very theoretical term, I don't meet people. This is not. And sometimes it fails. Sometimes I doesn't intersect. There is no resonance. But is there the desire to do so? The desire to resonate with people, the desire to meet, the desire to be in this relational path. I do have that desire. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. I'd like to share a very personal, something that happened to me last month. Last month I was here for Tanya's transmission. And it was my birthday at the end of July. And my former mother-in-law, so the second wife of my father, who raised me for 10 years, with whom I had extremely difficult relationship at a certain point, starting from the age of 12, 13. So since my father got divorced, we don't really, we, I've seen her once in maybe 10, 15 years, or 10 years. And every year she sends me a happy birthday message. So I answered back, said thank you. No, I didn't answer right away because I was on retreat and the connection was really bad here, as you know. <laughs> but then I thought afterwards when I came back I thought you know, that deserves an answer yeah. and so I told her where, where I was you know, what I was doing and she answered and she said um, it moved me to to tears what you're saying to me and uh, so glad that you found your path and I've always remind uh, I always remind you uh, you all, uh, I always remind you no I always remind you. Remember. I rem- always remember you as a very joyful and child and someone always willing to serve and that moved me so much because I didn't see myself like that at all when I Joined the practice, I think I was very melancholic. I was very sad. I was... I remember, or if I remembers me as a very fearful child, fearful also from that woman. And I was trying to it feels like this whole path was also a, 
a path to untangle all that and to go back to what she actually saw in me, a joyful and someone willing to serve and touch me. Going back, untangling things, opening up. Opening up to that space where things are freer. That's why I love that practice. I love that practice so much. I love the teachings. I love what it's trying to bring out of our comfort zone to find that space where we can connect, appreciate, care. And um, that line from the, 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 the final words of the Buddha just has stayed with me this whole week. In Stephen's Bachelor Translation, he says, tread the path with care. Tread the path with care. This is going back to Maizumi's story about trying to make it easier for the washing machine. (laughs) Just caring for one another, caring for ourselves, caring for our planet, caring. That's this encompassing virtue that we're trying to cultivate. That's what he said, tread the path with care. Or as we chant at the end of the day, take heed. Take heed. Take care. Not the American way. Take care. (laughs) See you around. (laughs) Take care. Take good care. Tread the path with care. I'd like to open up the... <laughs> spoken way too long. Uh, I'd be so happy to hear any comments and reflections. And... Yeah, Krishna. Uh, two things. One is a curiosity about the restaurant man who the neighborhood and the guy, the guy was uh, normal or mm. was kind of crazy? <laughs> the <laughs> restaurant guy or the guy outside? <laughs> that I don't know. But he, he looked normal? Like he wasn't normal, same or how you call that? Homeless or? Not that I remember. Okay. Yeah. The, the curiosity is the owner is a same practice. 
He's not a practitioner. That actually, I, I, I mentioned that to Lisa the other day. In one of the cards, in one of the chants that we're reciting, we are, we are mentioning the Pratyeka Buddha, which is a very interesting concept in the Buddhist tradition. Those are the people that have, that are basically awakened, but has absolutely nothing to do with the Buddhist tradition at all. It has no, you know, or, or the women in the stories, the old woman who's selling the cake. All that, those, you know, those people are just, you know, you don't, you don't need to be a, you know, it's kind of depressing to know that. <laughs> you don't need to do all that. <laughs> no, but, you know, you're, there are all kinds of practices, but there's some people that, you know, and that, at least, I don't know if he probably is. I, I know the guy quite well, so I know that he's all over the place also, and he's, uh, but at that moment, he did an act of pure benevolence, and, and he's, that was from the heart, you know. It could have been inappropriate also. It could have, you know. If the guy, as you said, is like a, is a real, you know, a dangerous man. But at that moment, you know, it looked like it was very appropriate. The presence, the answers to the moment. Yeah. From within. From his heart. Yeah. From absolutely from his heart. He just didn't think about it. Just like, <laughs> grabbed him. And I was... In the beginning, when that happened, I was like, you know, there are always some weirdos in this restaurant. It's courage. It's courage. Yeah, it's courage. It requires courage. As our practice requires courage and fearlessness. You know. I've been two, three times with Joa and Delphine in that restaurant. <laughs> I, can, I can vouch that. Not, not only the food is very good, uh, the guy is very radiant and there is joy everywhere. Well, I think we even almost had a general assembly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Lisa, the question. Lisa, yeah. No, it's actually, it's not a question. It's, um, I just wanted to uh, thank you. Uh, for bringing up, opening up the house for mm-hmm. to us. Um, I think this is within one of the reasons I'm say it again. Um, it's because it's one of the reasons we are all here today and and wow. So thank you. And I'm just too bad. I will not repeat again uh, the praise and the gratitude for the monastery uh, Passage Courtois. I've said it many times. <laughs> but in addition uh, to that, um, our three recluses long awaited. For me, it was just 14 years, but uh, Lisa, Freddie, and myself, we all decided together to do them at a meeting with you and with uh, Amy when uh, and Amy announced that the transmission was going to be the next step. So our um, uh, where we are, we, we certainly we, we uh, owe to this uh, 
great joy has started it's being manifested today. Yeah. Sorry, Jean. I must add my gratitude to you. <laughs> <laughs> You'll have time tomorrow, I think. Mean. <laughs> it's supposed to be a question. But no, no. Nothing can start until you, you sit. Nothing can start until you meet people out of the way. And yes. I want to, to thank you for, uh, <laughs> no, for expressing what it is, uh, for expressing what is a, a lay path, which is not a, a limitation uh, of a, of a, uh, of a monk path, of a, of a monastic path, and and really express the richness. Of relationship, the path of 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 relationships, and uh, um, and that fi finding this path forces us to be creative, and we're going to have to be creative if we are to survive in this crumbling uh, uh, society, you know, and so. Uh, I really felt the Dharma <laughs> and uh, I'm very, I'm very grateful. <laughs> what you said just reminded me and about crumbling the, the, the cookies that you were mentioning <laughs> yesterday, uh, the story about Ben and Jerry's. One thing that struck me in the story, I had forgotten about that, and what struck me is that the outcome could have been so different if the guys from Ben and Jerry's would have said, well, you didn't fulfill your contract, you didn't do the part of the contract, so you're going to have penalties and, you know, go away. But the response of these guys to say, we're going to sit down and what do we do so that we don't waste? What do we do so that we respect the work that has been done? How can we be creative with this cookie that is not a cookie anymore, that is not the way we were thinking of uh, the whole project? How do we do that? And the, I, I have so much gratitude for Bernie. I've spent couple of months translating two of his books with the <laughs> with the <laughs> the help of uh, the help it's not even help it's like you you did the job <laughs> of getting Roshi but I, I I you know I studied that and I was it was such an inspiration that goes back to the lay practice finding a Zen master and this is why I thought oh god I was so excited when I when I read that book and I went to this publishing house and said that has to be published to to hear a Zen master talking about business talking about making cookies talking about making money talking about you know profits and 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 the difficulty that it is but also what happens when that comes out from the practice 
And this is not just in a monastery and all that. Even though in a monastery, they have to deal with real issues. I mean, last year with the pandemic was catastrophic for so many temples, so many centers, and they had to pay bills. And we kept receiving, I kept, and we all kept receiving messages, you know, please give us some money. So we cannot escape the reality of businesses. But for me, there was such an inspiration with Bernie. It's like, how can we make things differently from our vision of what we're trying to cultivate? And one of the things also that came back to me over that week was the, 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 the sutra of the metaphor of the, the, the Buddha finding this, this kind of old path in the forest and that leads to an ancient city that is in ruin and he's restoring it. That's <coughs> a, the metaphor is that the path is the eightfold path and the, 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 the city is us, our society, and how we are restoring it. And, and this is a question for now, right now. How, how do we restore it, the damage? And this is not a theoretical question, damn it. Yeah. I want to thank you very, very much for what you were saying just now, because I think that's the, that's the real point. And I'm very glad that you have the energy and the trust in life in your own capacities and in the Sangha, and maybe in the creat creativity to find what is necessary in the moment. And I wish you all the best for whatever you <laughs> grasp and endeavor and want to, to do with your um, gifts. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Ulrike and I met what, four years ago? Something like that? Four years ago. Uh, the Committed Practitioner Program uh, is proposed by, offered by the Body College. That is this organization that, founded by Stephen Batchelor, John Peacock, and others, that were monks in, the, in, the, in, in Asia, in India, and in Thailand, and all that. And they came back to Europe and they thought, what do we do, what do, we do with that? We, we have a monk. We have a training as, as monks, and what do we do now? And for me, it has been really that continuity in what we are in this path that I've been engaged with, with my teachers, uh, responding in the condition of our time. And we're not monks. And I and I I love that. I love that. I have deep respect for monks, obviously, but and I had fantasies about going to monasteries, but uh, <laughs> but <laughs> me too. <laughs> I think many of us did. <laughs> but but uh, this is not my situation. These were not, this is not, this wasn't Roshi's situation. And, and I, I, I love to work with these ingredients. 
and we have to, yeah, you're right, we could, it's like, it requires a lot of creativity, and I think a very important key component, maybe that is not necessarily talked about very often, but it's the creativity that is implied by our practice, because it's responsiveness, appropriate responsiveness, depends on your creativity. And the creativity depends on, are we stuck with our stories or not? Or can we just expand? And that's crucial. Yeah, Eduardo? Okay, you, you just talked about creativity. And, and, uh, I don't know you have some kind of background. Um, so may I suggest a sort of a poem to you? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that you meet Donald Trump. <laughs> now as a sensei. Now what? As a sensei, or yeah. off-sensei, perhaps. So, what, what would you say to him? It would be a big question for your what comes up right now is what do you really want? What is it that you truly, truly want? If he wants to be present. <laughs> but this is just a, the first step. What's that afterward? You know. Uh, I, we talked about Monk Mio. I wanted so much to be Monk Mio. I was so much Monk Mio. <laughs> wanting the ball, you know? <laughs> wanting, wanting the robe. But it wasn't that. It wasn't the robe. I, it, w it would have been me sleeping. And luckily, Geno Roshi didn't say, oh, well, I'll give you the robe, you know? No, 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 wait, wait a little longer, you know. And this is just the first answer. You know, what, it's not the robe that I want. It's the liberation. It's the, it's the freedom. You cannot embrace the Well, you know what, during, when I was doing the bowing, it started, as I said, with my family and all that. And at some point, I was, I think I said that to Juan. I ended up bowing to Milosevic and Hitler. Difficult to embrace. Difficult to embrace. But, what's, but what came up for me, the stories that these guys got caught up into. Can I have compassion for that? And there are extreme examples about what happens when we get caught up in stories, when we get caught up with our anger, the devastation. And my experience during the Auschwitz retreat in 99 was so strong for that. We, the, 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 I came, I came up with my 
mental brain trying to understand how is that possible? How that disaster could actually happen? Yeah. I was trying to figure out, and I was as, and at some point, I was in front of one of the chimney or the rest of the chimney, the ruins of the chimney. I was crying and crying and crying. And I just bowed. I couldn't understand. I just bowed. And I bowed. And I bowed. And this is what I did. I just bowed. This was surrendering. Doesn't mean everything is perfect. Doesn't mean we have nothing to do. No. Yeah, exactly. And that was the experience, a very strong experience in order for all the participants, I think. That was extreme. What happens? in there, when we put things aside. Yeah, I think we're running out. You were just saying, you know what was Imre's, Imre's book that he brought himself with himself all the time? What? what? Was Himmler's preferred, uh, preferred, preferred book? Yeah. What was it? It was the Bhagavad Gita. So, well, this is when we get stuck in the absolute side and there's no care. Mm. We don't see the care. It's about people. So tread the path with care. If you have enjoyed this Dharma talk, just give us a visit on wildflowersend.org.